eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Good afternoon. It's Sunday, November 17th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news and doing it all within 15 minutes or fewer. I'm your host, Connor Tapp, and on Sundays, the day's college football news is the games that just happened on Saturday, so Trey Scott joins me to unpack everything we just witnessed. And Trey, even though we did see two undefeated Power 5 teams go down on Saturday, it's hard to argue we witnessed anything more meaningful than what, in all likelihood, ended up being the end of Tua Tungavailoa's college career. It just felt like one of those moments, um, and I'll run down what happened, that you the, Twitter starts to blow up. And you just are glued to this game, and each update is worse. You know, it starts with, oh, two is down. And, you know, we've got our Slack channels going, two is down, two is hurt. Well, we've seen that over the years, Connor. We've seen, you know, two go to the medical tent a few times and come back. And, and this time it was obviously way worse than anything. And it's um, it's absolutely, I think, the end of, of his collegiate career. Um, it was the best quarterback in Alabama history. Let me sort of, if you uh, are just waking up or just, you know, t- tuning into College Football News today, um, let me tell you how this all happened. So he was taken via helicopter to Birmingham um, after sustaining that dislocated hip during the second quarter of Alabama's game at Mississippi State. You probably know that the Tide were up 35-7. to Mac Jones was warming up, but Tungo Vilo sort of stumped to return to the game to get a two-minute drill in. Nick Saban justified that decision, which was panned on social media, saying, I don't really make a lot of decisions based on worrying about guys getting hurt. The way I look at this is whole thing is two is our number one quarterback. If he's physically able to play, we wanted to play him in the game. That's what he wanted to do, and that's what our team wanted to do. If I would have, if I would know that anything bad was going to happen, I certainly wouldn't have put him in that situation. But we're a team, uh, and, and then the team has an orthopedic surgeon uh, on staff, Lyle Kane, who released this statement. Late, later Saturday evening, as Tua was still undergoing all the, all the tests, uh, Tua Tungavailoa sustained a right hip dislocation that was immediately reduced at the stadium, which I don't know what that means. Uh, he is undergoing further testing to determine the best course of treatment. He is expected to make a full recovery, but will miss the rem- remainder of the season, unquote. So as we sort of unpack this, I think it's a fair time, maybe not on this podcast, but maybe later in the week, sort of a uh, Tua Tungavailoa collegiate career obituary piece to, the best quarterback in Alabama history, one of the best quarterbacks we've ever gotten to see, uh, certainly a defining figure of this decade. And it's unfortunate that this injury also brings with it these pretty fierce debates, Connor, about should he have been in, should he have not been in. I get that he was in. I get why he was in. 
but given the fact that he had tightrope surgery on an ankle just a few weeks ago, he wasn't fully healthy. And when you're not fully healthy, your body is not operating at a hundred percent, even if the hip is not, you know, the ankle. Um, do you have any, you know, sort of thoughts on, on all that? I, I know with this whole thing, everyone's picking sides. I don't really have a side. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tough balancing act. I mean, I, ideally you wouldn't want to be in a position where you have to play to a tongue of Iloa, but as people were pointing out and as the sort of the criticisms of Tunga Vailoa being in the game, despite Alabama being up 28 points, is that, you know, as things stand, they're on the outside looking in at the college football playoff. And we're talking about eye test. We're talking about all these factors, these kind of secondary factors that might influence where they ultimately end up. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it you would like to a not to have been in the game at that point. But the reality is, you know, all across the country, there are teams up by 28 points that still have their starting quarterback in. It's unfortunate because we know, as you said, it's a little bit more complicated in the fact that when you're kind of playing through an injury, you're a little bit more susceptible to being injured again um, because of the way your body is kind of compensating for the fact that you are playing through pain. So it's tough and it's kind of drawing in all kinds of arguments about player compensation. And I mean, there's a possibility that Tua Tungabailoa doesn't play football again. Um, I mean, you know, that's speculation. It's early days. Who knows? He's got a long way to go to recovery. But, I mean, this is a very, very serious injury that very much threatens the, you know, the longevity of his football career. And when, I mean, there are very few professions in this world where one thing can happen to you and maybe you don't get to work in that line of work anymore. So it's... It's tough. It's unfortunate. It's reigniting some of these pay-to-play arguments, um, and I'm sure people will really be getting worked up about that throughout the course of the week. And as you said, topic perhaps for a separate podcast. But in the end, pretty significantly unfortunate, I think, that we only got to see Tua Tungabailoa play college football for ultimately a really short period of time. When you think about it, it, it he didn't, you know, <laughs> essentially win the starting job until the middle of the national championship game during his freshman season. And then during his sophomore season, he was battling injuries. And then again, during his junior season, it just, uh, it, it, it feels like we, we barely got to spend any time with him. And then in a blink, uh, his career's over. It's just really unfortunate. There was a time this time last fall, I suppose, before Tua's injuries had flared up and before Kyler Murray had sort of gone on a scorching run to win the Heisman that I was thinking to myself, I mean, we were talking about Alabama as one of the best teams ever last year. And I was like, this guy's going to finish with three national titles and at least one Heisman. And now I kind of find myself saying the same thing about Trevor Lawrence. So I'm sort of reminding myself that nothing is guaranteed but no, you're right. That's that's a great point about Tua, and you bring up the pay-to-play stuff, and that's obviously going to get reignited, and then it will again uh, come NFL draft time. And again, this is going to be ammo for any players. And Alabama fans aren't used to this um, if they don't make the playoff. I mean, Tua's entire 2017 classmates are probably going to sit out a bowl game, which is mm. you know probably not going to sit too well with those those fans who haven't been used to wow. that yet. Yeah. But yeah, no, we. Tua was sort of here and then gone in the blink of an eye, but it's. I think. I think. I'm glad they said he'll be expected to make a full recovery. I. I think tomorrow we'll kind of dive into Alabama's playoff hopes without him, but I think this sort of prematurely ended their season. So, uh, Alabama 
through all this, still technically alive in the SEC West, it's very unlikely that they would win. They'd need uh, LSU to lose twice, and they'd need to, to beat Auburn in the Iron Bowl. But on the other side of the conference, Georgia has locked up the SEC East after beating Auburn 21-14. to and you know, kind of an ugly defensive slugfest, I guess. If you're if you're a glass half empty, uh, if you're glass half full, uh, then this was you know a classic throwback SEC defensive performance. Georgia gets out to a 21 to nothing lead. Auburn tries to chip away, much like they did against Oregon in the season opener, but in the end, did not have enough to mount the full comeback. Comes uh, the Tigers come up short, 21 to 14. Any. Any takeaways, I guess, maybe let's start with Georgia as they are our playoff contenders uh, from this pair of teams here. Any did we, did we learn anything about Georgia as a team that has designs on winning the SEC and getting in the college football playoff? Sort of a weird day from Jake Fromm, 13 for 28, 110 yards and three touchdowns. He had a gorgeous throw to Dominique Blaylock for a touchdown. Uh, Georgia is, I, I think Auburn's a bad not a bad matchup for them, but I think, you know what I mean, as far as they're a very similar team, so those two teams were sort of out-muscling each other. I thought it was, it was a fun game to watch. Of course, Georgia's up 21-0 at one point before giving up 14 points to Auburn in the fourth quarter. I am concerned about Georgia's offensive potency in a playoff setting. And you're going to, now I know you're going to come for me for a tweet I had the other night, <laughs> so that's okay. But they were three for 15 on third downs. On the other side of the equation, though, their defense is so good. They're allowing two. They allowed two point three yards per rush yesterday against an Auburn attack that you sort of figured would would have enough tricks in the bag to to run the ball effectively. Maybe uh, Bo Nix was actually Auburn's leading rusher with forty two yards. So Georgia's not. There's nothing nothing sexy about Georgia football right now. I mean, not at all. Uh, Jake Fromm's throwing for, you know, really weird stat lines, like super weird stat lines. Um, you know, DeAndre Swift's doing his thing, and his spin move is one of my favorite things in college football. Um, and, and their defense is good. Their defense, you know, probably was not – Auburn's defense was a little bit more impressive yesterday, I think, as far as, like, big plays. But I don't know. I think Georgia has the I, – I think Georgia could put a scare into LSU is kind of what I'm trying to get at right mm. now. Mm, more more on LSU in a bit. They ended up having a bit of a shootout against Ole Miss. Um, so Georgia clinches the SEC East probably, and we'll talk more about this on tomorrow's podcast, kind of previewing the, the playoff committee's new top 25. But I, you'd think with Alabama losing to a probably shoring up, solidifying that number four spot, even though they weren't, you know, overwhelmingly impressive on on both sides of the ball, anyway, uh, against Auburn. Uh, but let's let's talk about Auburn briefly here. Uh, up next for Auburn, they have Sanford. That's a gimme, and then they've got Alabama at home in a in a game that suddenly Alabama without Tua. Maybe Auburn feels like this is a game that they can win. And boy, I can't. It, it feels like that is going to be a very big swing game in terms of perception about how Gus Malzahn is doing and whether we are going to spend the month of December talking about whether Auburn boosters are trying to buy out his contract. Yeah, I think Auburn should be favored in that one. I'd be interested wow, to really? see what, what... Yeah, I mean, it's at home. Mac Jones, Alabama's got injury issues galore. 
Alabama can't stop anybody, which sort of makes me think Auburn's at least going to be able to move the ball. And then on the other side, I think Auburn's just going to get after. Yeah, I mean, who knows? But yes, if if Auburn can go nine and three with one of those wins, one of those nine wins being against Alabama. Look, I, I'm on the record. I think eight and four Gus Malzahn should keep his job anyway, because one of those wins includes a win over Oregon. These are all really close losses to really elite football teams. I'm sure there are Auburn fans out there today who are angsty and who wish the offense could have moved the ball a little bit better and who are upset that they're wasting one of this once in 10 years defenses. But hey, to eight and four with this record with a true freshman quarterback, I don't know how that wouldn't be good enough. Let's move out to the Big 12, where Oklahoma mounted a 25-point comeback to beat Baylor 34-31, to giving the Bears their first loss of the 2019 season. You know, Trey, <laughs> people were getting real excited about kind of coronating Baylor. We had Minnesota going down earlier in the day, and everybody's like, all right, let's get off the Minnesota hype train and start supporting Baylor to kind of move up and crash the playoff. And I was like... Man, you know, having watched Baylor and Oklahoma, I really do not feel like this game is anywhere close to over. And sure enough, it wasn't. And it seemed like even later in the game, there were other moments where Baylor kind of put the game to bed, but Oklahoma just wouldn't die. Thinking specifically of Jalen Hurts driving, Oklahoma driving to tie the game and uh, Jalen Hurts fumbles just as he's about to cross the goal line the second really bad fumble for him today uh, uh, or on, on Saturday. And it was just like, Oh, okay, well that's it. Baylor's going to hang on. Uh, but they didn't Oklahoma. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they're, they are, they take the cockroach belt from Baylor as the team that just will not absolutely will not die here. So I don't know what what are what what is the spin coming out of this? I guess is this are we feeling good about Oklahoma mounting this comeback and coming out with the win, or are we saying, hey, this is another concerning data point for Oklahoma as it concerns their playoff candidacy? I feel good about it. I think Jalen Hurts absolutely has to figure out the ball control issues, and he said that after the game. Uh, another red zone turnover for him. Uh, he had a few in Dallas or Texas OU. How, but how do you not feel good? Because they're without C.D. Lamb. Jalen Hurts is still going 30 for 42, 297, four touchdowns, 114 yards rushing, 28 to three, largest comeback in school history. Connor, this much maligned Sooner defense forces two massive turnovers in the second half at pivotal moments. They allow only one first down for Baylor in the second half via an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. I feel good. I know they were favored by more than the margin of victory uh, which they won, which is three. But other, th- uh, unlike last week where they had to sort of hold on for dear life at home to beat Iowa State, I think it shows real real sort of team DNA to, to stage a comeback like this. And I can't say I'm surprised because if you've watched Oklahoma the last few years under Lincoln Riley, no lead is safe enough. They came down, they were down 21 points against Texas last year in, in, in the Red River rivalry, and Kyler Murray uh, made that up fairly quickly. I, I feel good about this going forward, and I think if these two teams meet again in the Big 12 title game um, and Oklahoma's healthier with C.D. Lamb, I think Oklahoma wins by much more because I think the second half played out as, as the first half was flukier, I guess I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. And, you know, I think a, a result of this is that 
the, the Big 12 has one playoff contender now. It's Oklahoma or nothing. I, if yep. Baylor, Baylor all the way down to 13, you know, <laughs> with with undefeated, they're they're in real tough shape. And now with one loss, they're pretty much out of it. I think a disaster scenario for the Big 12 is probably Baylor winning a rematch in the Big 12 title game. Um, but let's move to that other undefeated team, or formerly undefeated team now. Minnesota falls on the road against Iowa. Night game, ranked on ranked in Kinnick Stadium. I don't know what I was thinking picking against that. Um, but uh, Iowa Iowa gets it done. They get out to a big 20-3 uh, lead early, um, about midway through the second quarter. And Minnesota in a big hole early. And boy, that Iowa defensive line just absolutely got after the Golden Gophers. Six sacks. Uh, for Iowa, two and a half from AJ Ipinesa, uh, no. and just in in that in in those final moments where Minnesota was trying to mount a comeback, the the Hawkeyes defensive line just absolutely took over. Minnesota was going backwards, forces Tanner Morgan out of the game, uh, and man, it was just. Uh, uh, I guess discouraging performance from Minnesota. I guess if you're if you were hoping for them to be a, a, a playoff contender, but uh, uh, Iowa showing, showing some fight there. AJ Epinesa, we were talking about too, at Tungo Vailoa is sort of a guy who we hardly got to know. AJ was in the same class, five-star recruit, number six player in the top two, four, seven has been a backup until this season and still is going to be one of the top, you know, 15 or 20 players taken in the NFL draft. So I think it's cool that he got a chance to shine. This is a weird, you look at this game, Connor, you did a really nice breakdown. You look at the box score and you're like, huh? Like, Tanner Morgan was on fire. Rashad Bateman had 100 yards. Tyler Johnson had like 150. But they had to settle for two field goals within 25 yards. Didn't score a touchdown until the second half. I guess I guess if there's there's no real great encouraging spin here, um, they Minnesota didn't even cover uh, the spread at which they were projected to lose. But they do at least control their own Big Ten West destiny. Uh, I like I like their chances against Wisconsin in a few weeks. Can you believe that game's already coming up? I mean, we've been, the next two weeks we've been talking about, you know, since October is ones we're excited about it, and here we are. Uh, so, yeah, hey, maybe Minnesota beats Wisconsin. Maybe they beat Ohio State. Maybe, maybe the, go, the go, Gophers are still alive. Yeah, I think, you know, we talked about Baylor kind of being out of it now. I think Minnesota, because of what they still have in front of them, I mean, if, if you beat if you beat Wisconsin and then Ohio State, then that's that's going to be a sequence of resume items that very few teams will be able to 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 say they have anything better. Uh, but right now, I mean, it, it's kind of looking like the thing that we thought would happen, where Minnesota would lose and we wouldn't continue having to talk about them as a as a playoff contender is the thing that's probably gonna gonna play out here. Uh, Ole Miss or. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Let's move. Let's move on to LSU fifty-eight, Ole Miss thirty-seven. The subject of the aforementioned tweet. So, uh, uh, so Ole Miss puts up some a whole bunch of yards, whole bunch of points on LSU. Trey, you are significantly more worried about this than I am. I guess is the way yes, to I am. Okay. I am. And you know who else is? Peter Burns of the SEC Network, who is an LSU fan, and he thinks right now Ohio State and Clemson would also beat LSU, which made me – I woke up this morning and saw that and I felt vindicated. Look, the Tigers can score on anybody that they've played so far, right? Like, I think even if LSU's matched up against Clemson or Ohio State, they're going to be able to score. But I don't think they're going to be able to score 58 – 
on those guys. I think those teams will stop them um, because LSU really hasn't been stopped yet. And the problem with LSU, obviously, is the defense. They gave up 400 yards rushing on Saturday to Ole Miss. 212 of those, including four touchdowns, came from true freshman quarterback John Rice Plumley. 21 carries. Shout out to Rich Rodriguez. Coach O said afterward, they have a good scheme. We have to work on it to get better. This is not the crisis that Oklahoma found itself in the last few years defensively. LSU is 53rd in total defense. Last season, Oklahoma was 101 in total defense. Oklahoma, though, their offense was still a yard per play better than LSU's. So I don't know if LSU is infallible here. And look, they've played a great defense this year. They've played Florida. They've played Auburn. They had a tough time with Auburn. And they had to, I mean, Auburn, if Auburn, I would argue if Auburn had more offensive potency, Auburn might have walked away from Baton Rouge with a win. So it's all rosy right now for LSU, and they're putting up massive numbers, but they put up massive numbers on Texas, and, and they barely won that game, and Texas is bad. They put up massive numbers on Alabama. Alabama's good. Their defense isn't, though. I just think if they play somebody who is on both sides of the ball, balanced and also dominant, I think LSU is going to have problems getting scores every possession, which is kind of what they need because I don't think they can stop anybody. So, I, I mean, so I, I think I think our disagreement here is a matter of proportion. Like, yeah, I think LSU's defense, if if we had if we named a playoff field today, probably no matter who got in except Oklahoma, like LSU's defense would be the weakest unit on the field, but like, or uh, in, in the playoff field, I should say. Um, but like what they do against Ole Miss is like, I feel like that's a week three concern. Like, Oh man, LSU gave up a bunch of yards to Ole Miss. Like, what's going to happen when they play Alabama? Like, what's going to happen when they go up a really good team? And like, we've we've seen what happened when they go up against Alabama. Like, like yeah, they gave up a lot of points, but like the, they scored a lot of points too, and <laughs> they did it in Tuscaloosa. And uh, so, I mean, it's it's a concern. I it, it's 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 not it's not great, but like, I don't think it is significantly more concerning than any other than any issue that any other playoff team might potentially have really because the other current top four playoff teams are numbers one two and four in total defense like they're wait are I we really talking team, about total defense no uh, yards per play defense. okay look yeah that's podcast listeners we throw out total defense out i'm using yards per play and i i guess if you Georgia's offense is more concerning, I think, than LSU's defense. But this is a concern, and Coach O afterward you know, made it a concern. And the interesting thing here is we don't have to wait to the playoffs to see what this bears out. I think you know Georgia, I mean, you saw, I saw it on social media this morning. Georgia's starting to get a lot of buzz, a lot of smoke as a team that could knock off LSU. LSU has had an amazing season, the best resume in college football. But I think their defensive deficiencies – I would confidently put them at number three as far as best teams in the country. And they're going to have to go through a gauntlet of strong defensive teams when they make the playoff or when they start. And that road starts with the SEC championship because you got Georgia um, and then, you know, however the playoff shakes out, a Clemson or Ohio State or, or an Oregon in, in the semifinal. Okay, picture this. 
It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.